When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to Previously on Succession. A podcast series designed to help you through the fantastic story of the Roy Empire. I'm Katie Puckrick. Season two begins with Kendall in deep water again, although this time it's in an Icelandic rehab center's hot tub. A staff member informs him a man is here to see him. As we're still in the eye of the Shiv wedding car crash, literally, this is concerning. The man is Ragnar Magnuson, one of Logan's men, who tells Ken he needs to get on TV as soon as possible to make a public declaration that he is withdrawing from the hostile takeover. Ken is hesitant, but his protests fall on deaf ears. Kendall runs the line he's been fed. I saw their plan, but Dad's was better, which is preferable to I saw their plan, but then drove into a river accidentally killing a young man, and my pop blackmailed me to switch sides. Carolina meets Kendall. She reveals the interviewer will ask him some tough questions, such as why he sided with a rival. She again runs the line, I saw their plan, but my dad's was better. Kendall's nose begins to bleed as people around him are frantic, trying to ensure he gets this right. Out of the frying pan, bang, into the middle of an inferno. Ken's probably had better mornings, but none immediately spring to mind. Ten seconds to airtime. Carolina watches from the wings, nervous. Kendall begins fielding questions and instantly looks uncomfortable and awkward. Ken runs the lines and follows up with a solid performance that grows in confidence and clarity. Elsewhere, Roman and Jerry watch, Roman unsurprisingly criticizing every word and suggesting his brother looks fucking demented. Ladies and gentlemen, the first fucking thing my son has ever done right in his life, says Logan, watching in his boardroom. Back in New York, Ken arrives in his dad's office, where Logan thanks Kendall for the TV appearance, with a few unfatherly sideswipes for good measure. Logan pushes him for the playbook Stewie and Sandy are reading from, and Kendall tells him Stewie thinks a deal might be on the table, but Sandy expects it to be hostile. Kendall reveals he may have given them the impression that Logan is a weaker, more unstable man than he once was and might crack under pressure. When pushed, Ken admits he told Sandy's PR team what meds Logan is on, how he hit Kendall's son, and how he also took a piss on Ken's office floor. Logan takes this all in stride and ushers Ken out. 
As he leaves, he asks if his assistant Jess is back, as she sometimes reaches out to his friend Nick. There is no need to ask what Nick sends back, although he does promise Carolina he'll be cleaning up his act. That evening, Logan welcomes his banker, Jamie Laird. Logan is upset he had no advance warning of what was coming. Jamie says naming a successor would be a good move, but also suggests that selling might actually be the best move from a business perspective, because not doing so will result in a years-long vicious fight that eats up his resources. Jamie paints a bleak picture of the landscape if Logan chooses fight over flight. Shiv and Tom receive a text suggesting Logan is going to sell and decide to cut the honeymoon short. The wedding and the honeymoon fucked, says Shiv, as Tom declares her dad to be a nutty bastard. Kendall is visited by Greg, who has the substances Kendall needs, but from a different source. A guy in the park. You brought me park? Coke? asks Ken, saying he'll be lucky if he has any nostrils left as he pours out the powder. The Roys arrive at the family summer house and comment on the awful smell, eloquently described by Logan as smelling like the cheesemonger died and left his dick in the brie. Kendall is met by one of Logan's men, Colin, with an update on the dead car guy, explaining that the UK police believe he was traveling solo and expect a ruling of death by misadventure, putting Kendall in the clear. Later, Ken bumps into Shiv and Roman. Shiv thinks Ken ruined her wedding, and both she and Roman attack him verbally, telling him once Logan is done with him, he will be fucked and thrown out the river. The bad smell is finally uncovered as a bag of dead raccoons stuffed in the chimney. Logan demands all the food is thrown out, and they order pizza. Everyone gathers to eat. Logan talks shop and questions, do they fight or sell? He also reveals that he has to name a successor to the board and asks everyone to have their say. Kendall says fight, but is immediately undermined by all the other kids. Shiv wants to know why Ken is getting back in so easily. Tom says it's time to fight, while also managing to flatter his father-in-law as being in the prime of his life. Willa offers an option that selling seems cool. Hey, Dad, says Roman. Willa thinks selling seems cool. He offers her a mocking nod and wink. Roman is called upon and says he is keeping his own thoughts close to his chest so as not to jeopardize his position as a player in future moves. Logan gets up and invites his kids into his office one by one. Roman goes first. When asked again about what to do, Roman says he does actually have a pitch. Keep news and float the rest. He also suggests simply scaring off Sandy and Stewie by calling in favors from undesirable people at their disposal. Shiv goes next. She talks a strong game on how to restructure the business and how losing news is part of the master plan. Logan wastes no time in telling her he wants her to be his successor, adding that if she refuses, his only alternative is to name Kendall. Shiv is furious at the prospect of Ken even getting back in, let alone running the show. Logan tells her he has no deal with Kendall, but he wants to formally ask her to become the next CEO of Waystar. You're the one, he says. Shiv is suddenly all ears. Maybe she can't quite believe them. She tells him he'd better be selling, and in a bluff-calling move, Logan says he'll do that right now. He makes her his phone, but Shiv suddenly stops him. She tells her dad if the offer is real, of course she'll do it. In fact, she will absolutely fucking kill it. 
A smiling Logan tells her this is wonderful. They agree to keep things under wraps for now. Logan says he will fast track her and as soon as she's up to speed, we'll name her. Shiv is tearful and overjoyed. Shiv exits and plays it cool. Tom seeks answers, reading her face that something big has happened. Shiv keeps things hush-hush, saying it was just Logan's typical mind games, but that Tom has got a great new gig at ATN. Later, Logan meets with the builder he suspects was unhappy with a 200k payment ceiling for some winter building work, and so stuffed the dead raccoons in the chimney to stink the place out. The man denies any involvement, but Logan angrily tells him he is now only getting 100 k and if he doesn't like it, he should sue him. As the others sit to dinner that evening, Logan and Kendall fly for a meeting with Sandy and Stewie. Logan sends Ken in, saying to tell him he's on a call. Kendall meets Stewie first. Stu mocks Kendall and asks him what the fuck happened, needing to know how his dad got to him. Ken again runs the dad's plan line. Fuck you, you silver spoon asshole, says Stu. Logan calls and reveals Ken will be taking the meeting alone. He meets Sandy now, too, and asks if there is an arrangement that will leave both parties happy. But Stewie declares they are after the whole thing. That being the case, Kendall has a message from Logan. They will both bleed cash and it will never end. They might kill Logan, but not if he intends to kill them and he will go bankrupt or to jail before he lets them beat him. And if he fails to kill them in business, he will send men to kill their pets and fuck their wives, and it will never be over. Good, says Sandy. Let's move ahead with that process, shall we? Ken turns and walks away. We open at the Waystar theme park. It is Kendall's daughter's birthday, and a celebration is underway. Sort of. Word comes that Logan has requested the presence of Kendall, Roman, and Shiv for a meeting. Shiv pretends to be surprised at getting an invite, you know, with their features heir apparent currently tightly under wraps. They gather around Logan to listen to Stewie doing an interview about the takeover. Stu is running the plays that Ken had warned Logan about, such as Logan being too old and in decline. Jerry says they dismiss the Stewie interview in a bid not to look rattled, but Shiv suggests firing back immediately. Logan goes with Shiv, adding that Carolina runs the comeback wording past his daughter. Moving on to other business, Logan worries that the firm got screwed in the Volter purchase. Ken insists it was a solid deal, but Roman says it was in fact a massive fuck-up on his brother's part and suggests it was unforgivable. Logan sends the pair to fix Volter, offering a cookie to the one who gets the job done. After the boys are gone, we watch Shiv leave the office positively buoyant after playing a strong game in front of her dad over the Stewie response. The next morning, Tom and Shiv are readying for their day. Tom again raises their open relationship trying to find an angle he feels comfortable with. Today, he goes for Shiv and himself as royalty who may occasionally fuck the odd peasant. He suggests the king and queen may be christened the royal sheets right now, but Shiv rebuffs his advances. Roman and Ken arrive at the offices of Walter, an uber-hip setup. Founder Lawrence Yee waits for them in his office. Lawrence is unsure who he should be talking to, who's in charge. Kendall says they're sharing duties, looking to Roman for support. I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about, offers the always-true-to-form Roman. Roman instead gets to the point and reveals Logan has sent them because his giant cyclops eye is looking in Walter's direction and is worried he might have bought a giant pile of bullshit and they're there to find out what the fuck is going on. 
Lawrence insists Walter's numbers are solid. The brothers tell them they each need an office in the building to work this out. Tom is about to make his debut as an ATN big gun. He has, of course, brought young Greg with him and again says he might have to use his sidekick as a punching bag. Ready to play the bag, asks a gleeful Tom. Greg tries to tell Tom that working in the ATN newsroom is against his principles, but Tom blasts him back down, telling him this is not fucking Charles Dickens' world where you go around talking about principles, then demanding young G-mans the fuck up. He later tasks Greg with a mission to prowl the office and find the flab in the ATN ranks ripe for the cut. Shiv is with Nate, and things are frosty. Nate asks her not to mention they had a thing because his wife doesn't know, to which Shiv tells him her husband definitely does know, so it's Nate's problem. At Volter, Kendall is at work. From a nearby office, Roman watches, curious about what his brother is doing. Rome asks Jerry for advice because Kendall is doing shit. She suggests he does some shit as well. He asks her to come over, but when she questions it, he tells her, fuck you, and hangs up. Elsewhere that night, Shiv visits her dad. She wants to talk business. Marcia enters, and Logan finds a reason to send her back out of the room, which Marcia notices. Logan states he sees the plan for Shiv as six months working alongside Jerry, six months with Carl, a cool 12 months in Hong Kong, another 12 alongside him, and then see where they are. Shiv is unimpressed. The next day, Kendall and Roman sit with Jerry and Logan to talk Walter. Ken is convinced that although it is currently broken, Volter is a killer business that is fixable. It needs proper teams on the payroll, burn 50 mil for a few years, and then blossom. Over to Roman, who immediately calls bullshit. He got a couple of their staff shit-faced and found out they're looking to unionize and how the whole business is a bad fit for Waystar. He suggests shutting them down. Kendall tries to fight his corner, but Logan declares Volter will be gutted. He shifts Roman over to assist Jerry and leaves the messy gutting of Volter to Ken, who, again defeated, agrees. Connor and Willa host a soiree to celebrate their return to New York as residents. Connor confirms to Roman he is still going to run for president. At the soiree, Greg reports back to Tom that the whole of ATN needs to be digitized because the current process is an analog mess. Tom asks, can he fire people if they digitize? Curious as to how many skulls they can lose and is kind of excited when Greg says maybe 50. Shiv joins Kendall outside. She says she agrees that gutting Volter is a bad move, but a distant Kendall says he now thinks his dad's right. Meanwhile, back inside, Roman is having doubts about gutting Volter, worrying that they're about to do something on his call. Tabitha reassures him he has nothing to worry about and maybe he just did his job. Shiv asks Tom to leave with her, saying they need to talk. She admits that Logan has offered her the top job. Tom is gobsmacked. He asks her if she wants it, then reminds her that he thought it was something they both wanted for him. She reveals she accepted, but calls it a play about power rather than her taking the job. Tom tries to be happy. He really does. Shiv tells him if she did ever become CEO, then he would become something huge. Like what? He asks. I don't know, says Shiv, but we'll figure it out. Adding the whole thing is hilarious, right? Oh, yes, says a bewildered Tom. It's fucking funny. 
The next day, Ken breaks the news that Logan wants to shut down Valter. Lawrence is instantly on the back foot, saying they're turning the corner after a couple of shitty months. Kendall says he'll try to convince Logan he's making a mistake, but asks that the staff cool off on unionizing and asks to speak to them personally. Lawrence is unconvinced. Everybody here fucking hates you, he tells Ken, but Ken is adamant. He talks a good game to the staff, but drops the bombshell that unionizing is a mistake and instead asks them to put it on ice and he'll help them flourish with better pay if they can keep things in the Waystar family for now. Elsewhere, Greg is hunting for an apartment and struggling to find anything decent. A call comes in from Kendall. Greg arrives at a stunning apartment where Ken waits for him. He says the apartment is Greg's until the market begins to move again and he can sell it. Greg thinks he's joking right up until Kendall throws him the keys. Greg begins to run around the place in utter joyful disbelief. Ken says perhaps that night they can hang out and have a party there. In another flashy apartment, Roman and Tabitha are joined by Tom and Shiv for a double dinner date. Shiv reveals Tom has a cold and a sore throat. When alone, Tabitha beautifully tells him he should try swallowing something. She pauses as Tom glares at her. Like honey, she finishes, as Tom sheepishly tells her he's fine, thank you. Roman begins to pick on Tom after he reveals he's considering digitizing ATN. Rather than defending her husband, Shiv joins in. Things take another turn when Tom fires back, telling Shiv to fuck off. The next day at Volter, Ken takes center stage after his team worked through the night gutting the company. The Volter staff listen as he talks. You're all fired, he tells them bluntly. A man approaches and spits in his face. That all you've got? asks Ken. Later at Shea Gregg, a party is underway. Greg asks Ken if he can move the party up to his own place as Greg is beat after work and some of Ken's friends are having sex in his bedroom. The following morning, Shiv, Nate, and Gil are walking the streets when Gil meets a supporter of his and shakes his hand. In the car afterwards, Shiv makes a joke about maybe Gil wanting some hand sanitizer. The joke doesn't land and things escalate quickly, fueled by Nate. Gil suggests maybe Shiv lives in a bubble where that sort of joke is acceptable. Shiv tells him not to guilt trip her because he's decided to sell his soul, reminding him he still has Logan's cock in his mouth. Gil angrily says he took that deal on her recommendation. You rolled over really fucking fast, says Shiv. She tells him she's quitting and at the same time is fired by Gil. Win-win? Lose-lose? Ken tells Logan Valter is dead. Logan takes a call from Shiv, revealing she's quit working for Gil. I'll be in touch, Logan tells her. He then breaks the news to Roman that Kendall will will that Kendall will be back working in the office. Later that night, Kendall enters a store to buy gum. He steals a packet of batteries when the cashier turns away. As he leaves the store, he tosses them into a bin. We begin in a quiet coffee shop where Greg sits opposite a writer, Michelle Pansel, who's writing a book on the Roy family. Greg opens by telling her this meeting is a meeting to decide if he's willing to have a meeting with her. Pure Greg. Greg is keen not to upset Logan, stating his uncle can be scary, vindictive, violent, and paranoid, all of which is taken down in a notebook by Michelle, much to Greg's immediate horror. He tells her he didn't actually say that yet. She says if he wants anonymity, he should have said from the outset, to which Greg reminds her this is not a meeting meeting, it is simply the precursor. 
Elsewhere, Logan is living up to a few of the descriptors used by Greg as he meets his doctor. Doc suggests Logan should rest and maybe sit out the company retreat to Hungary. Let them do the meeting without me? I don't fucking think so. From doctor to board meeting and the news isn't any rosier. Logan's keen to acquire another media giant, a.k.a. PGM, run by the Pierce family, in a bid to make his own portion of the pie too big for Stewie and Sandy to take a bite at. They'd fucking choke, says Logan. He berates a few board members who are concerned about making a new acquisition right now. As Logan leaves, they voice serious concerns about the plan. Later, Logan is discussing the best approach towards the PGM idea and asks banker Jamie Laird who in the team would be their best bet in an approach. I mean, Logan actually asks who's our most pointy-headed fuck, but, you know, the gist is there. Jamie declares that pointy-headed Frank always had the best relationship with the family Pierce, and Logan decides to bring him in, despite serious concerns from Roman, who, as we all know, fucking hates Frank. Jerry and Carolina enter with an interesting video. Connor is talking to Cameron about his presidential dreams and how he wants to abolish taxes. He then challenges the government to come and arrest him for not paying his own taxes. It's awful. At home, and after recovering from Connor's campaign rehearsal tape, Roman tells Tabitha about the PGM plans and asks if she can get him in touch with Naomi Pierce. He hopes that if he can get in first, cement a deal early, he can leave as the conquering hero and push for number one son again. Asking how they know each other, Tabitha reveals she slept with Naomi. Rome asks if there's anyone she hasn't had sex with. You, replies Tabitha. In another home, Shiv takes a call from Roman. She's keen to get an excuse to join the company retreat to Hungary, but Roman asks her to go and see Connor instead to rein him in, because his video may upset a few important people they already have deals in place with. He hangs up before Shiv can refuse. Everyone prepares to leave for the retreat in Hungary. On a private jet, Carolina tries to break some bad news to Logan about Michelle Pantzel's Roy family biography. Before they can reveal the news, Logan begins firing shots, declaring he doesn't want the book coming out and anyone found to be talking to Michelle will instantly be fired. Carolina says, based on what she's just been told, Michelle has met with someone close to Logan already. His paranoia kicks hard as he begins to wonder very loudly who has betrayed him. Anyone who has spoken to her is dead to me. They're fucked. No one goes sniffing around my panties. Ken reveals the information to Greg that someone has talked. Greg squirms hard, but but it was only a meeting about having a meeting, damn it. In Hungary, Logan welcomes Frank and presents him with the gift of an expensive watch to mark his return. A local man enters and tells them it is time to go hunting. Back in the United States, Shiv visits Connor and sees he has some serious guys on his campaign team. She tells him he shouldn't run for president on the back of his current taxes plan, as he'll end up in prison. Willa enters and greets Shiv. Shiv asks Connor not to release the video for fear of humiliating the family and himself. Instead, Connor asks Shiv to join his team and work for him. Shiv is, of course, not interested, and declares to work for him would require her to have a lobotomy first, adding that his first presidential video is fucking batshit, then joins Willa for a drink. On the hunting trip, Greg asks Tom about the guy Logan is tasked with investigating the biography leak. 
Is he nice? asked Greg, hopefully. Tom frowns. You're asking about the moral character of a man named Ratfucker Sam? This does little to calm Greg's nerves. Greg reveals he is the one who talked to the biographer. Tom is worried and tells Greg not to tell Logan because he might kill him, and also pray he can trust Tom himself, before reminding him to trust no one ever. Out for drink, Shiv and Willa talk about Connor. She is trying to talk Willa into reining Con in. They're joined by a tall, handsome man who immediately catches Shiv's eye. Ken and Roman talk as they head for the hunt. Ken asks Roman if he received a call from the biographer. Rome says, of course he did. Did you talk? asks Kendall. No, says Roman, then asks if Kendall talked. Ken admits he's thinking about talking to her. They are interrupted when Roman's phone rings and he suspiciously takes the call in private, fobbing Kendall off when he later asks who it was. The hunters shoot at pigs from towers, then later pose with their kill. That evening, Tom is approached by Jerry and Carl about doubts over the Pierce deal and how it might be good for Tom to raise the doubts with Logan as he's family and Logan likes him. Tom is unconvinced. He did once call me the cunt of Monte Cristo, he replies. Jerry mentioned she spoke to Shiv, suggesting he could go to her as a hero who faced down her father. Meanwhile, Logan hears word from Jamie that someone has tipped the Pierces off about the plans and that they should back off right away. Logan is furious, declaring the tipster must be somebody on the trip. I've got snakes in the fucking basket, he rages. When he joins everyone for dinner, he plays it cool and friendly. Tom approaches and tells Logan that he might say something, but Logan should disregard it as it's not real and he won't mean what he says. He then tells his father-in-law a lot of people are against the Pierce deal. Logan listens, then turns to the room. Back with Shiv, and she's talking and flirting with the man who caught her eye. He flirts back. In the meantime, Connor releases his campaign video. In Hungary, the group sits to eat dinner. Logan begins to rip into the gathered team in search of his snake. He begins with Frank, holding nothing back as he describes his old colleague as a fucking creep and a worm has crawled back. Frank asks, what's happening here? Logan stands and declares someone has spoken to biographer Michelle Pansel, and also the Pierce family. He begins going around the table, asking, are you a rat? He demands everyone place their phone on the table. Logan moves through the room, being cruel and callous to everyone he talks to. He then pinpoints Carl and sends him to the corner of the room as part of a game he calls Bore on the Floor. Carl is joined by Tom and then Greg. Roman is told to stand the fuck up. He immediately tells Logan that Kendall took a call from the biographer. Ken says he revealed that to smoke Rome out for his dad. Kendall asks Roman to tell them about his mystery call. Roman says it was Frank. Logan screams at Tom to sit on the floor as the snake search continues. A chant begins, bore on the floor, bore on the floor. Greg and Carl are also told to sit as the chant grows. Logan holds a plate of sausages and demands a three-men oink for them. Despite obvious reservations, they all begin to oink. This is weird, right? Logan then gets the three men to fight over two sausages, with the loser being deemed the mole. The men fight over a sausage as Roman videos the madness. In the aftermath, Ken grabs Roman's phone for him. They tussle as Roman demands it back. 
back in the less unhinged land of Shiv, well, slightly less, she sleeps with the man from the bar. Kendall goes through Roman's phone, finding an odd phone number. He then tells Logan it was Roman who spoke to Pierce. Rome suggests he was trying to land the deal, not screw it up. You're a moron, says Logan. Bore on the floor, suggests Ken. Logan's temper is high. He demands to know who's backing him on the Pierce deal, to which Ken tells him nobody does. Despite the news, Logan is ever more determined that they go after PGM. We're going after it, and what's more, I will win, he says. The next morning, Tom is something of a laughing stock and pretends he's had one too many and can't remember anything. Logan finds out that a former staff member called Mo talked to Michelle Pansel, but that he also passed away the night before. Greg gets a momentary gulp of air. He thanks Tom for not ratting him out. Jerry visits Roman in his room, and as she buttons his shirt and he flirts, she convinces him to go on a six-week management course. On the plane home, Frank tells Logan he has had contact from Rhea Jarrell, CEO of Pierce, and she's keen to have a meeting. Tom returns to Shiv a shaken man after the events of the getaway. He tells her maybe what she told him to ask Logan wasn't all that great, and he wants a more level footing with her in matters of their tactics. He asks how her trip was. Shiv answers, Do you want to know? Maybe later, replies Tom, as he realizes she slept with someone else as part of their open relationship. The phone rings. Logan calls Shiv and tells her he is bringing her in. Kendall Roy makes his way up a deserted stairwell in the Waystar building and leaves a voicemail with Rhea Jarrell from PGM, saying he hopes to connect with her soon. Shiv is in a car with Tom, heading for day one in the family business. Tom bigs up a TV anchor in the company called Mark Ravenhead, but Shiv challenges this after video footage of him at a fascist conference surfaced. Tom defends him. Who wasn't a bit salty when they were 21? They're met at the office by a gathering of protesters, angry about the potential sacking of Ravenhead. Shiv tells Tom she can't wait to start cleaning up around the place. Another family member destined for day one is Roman. He arrives at the Waystar Management Training Course, dressed suitably low-key and inconspicuous. A welcome video plays. Logan talks from the screen, then Kendall. Roman watches as he, too, briefly appears on screen, but sees his part has been cut before his lines are delivered like Mike Wachowski in Monsters, Inc. Shiv is talking to Logan when Kendall enters with his dad's meds. He questions Shiv's presence, but both play it down. Kendall isn't buying it. Roman is now dressed as a giant turkey in the Waystar theme park when a married couple approaches for a photo. Roman tells the man his wife needs satisfaction that he is obviously not currently providing, drops a gobbledygo-fuck-yourselves before leaving the bemused couple and merrily clucking off. Tom enters the boardroom for a meeting and finds Shiv waiting with the notebook. She tells everyone to just ignore her. Outside the room, Kendall tells Logan and Frank that Rhea has been in touch, and they got her. Back in the boardroom, the first point is Mark Ravenhead and his fascist tendencies. Tom suggests weathering the storm, but Jerry points out he got married at Eagle's Nest, Hitler's Bavarian retreat. Logan tells Tom to find out exactly what he is. Greg walks into Tom's office to find him using a man named Jonah as a footstool because he lost a bet. Tom invites Greg to take a turn, which 
an uncertain Greg does before revealing he found out Raven had named his dog Blondie after Hitler's pooch. Tom admits defeat and states Ravenhead is gone, as Nazis are terrible, right? Shiv is with Jerry when Jess places a message with Jerry. Shiv is curious and works out that it's something involving Kendall. Jerry admits Ken has been caught shoplifting, and they're now running damage control. Jerry admits Ken has been caught shoplifting, and they're now running damage control. Shiv asks how many lives her brother has. Rhea Jarrell, Pierre CEO, arrives, driving past the protesters in the streets, and is welcomed by Kendall, who then takes her straight to his dad's office. Right from the get-go, Rhea tells them she knows he's keen to purchase PGM, and that she has a message from the family Pierce, a nuanced and objective fuck-off. Logan smiles and asks her what they want, adding that he wants Pierce, but it has to be fast. Rhea, however, plays it very cool, and gives little else away. In the theme park, Roman finds himself talking to a man called Brian, who describes himself as an enigma. Rome introduces himself as Ron Rockstone. They are paired in a management exercise. Brian, keen to impress. Roman, a.k.a. Ron, less so. Back at ATN, Tom meets with Mark Ravenhead and questions him over his seemingly Nazi-like tendencies. Mark calls bullshit, saying it's all coincidence. The question session is interrupted by a sudden bang, and the word shooter ring around the office space. A man rushes Tom and crew to a safe room as an alarm sounds through the building. Once inside, the talk is panicked as speculation airs about a shooter roaming the building. Tom calls Shiv, saying he thinks they might be coming for him as head of ATN to decapitate him. Who said that? asks a frantic Greg. Shiv tells Tom she's on the way to the panic room. Less worried is Kendall. He's back on the rooftop overlooking much of New York. He leans down and looks at the city streets far below. Meanwhile, Shiv enters the panic room but finds only Logan and Colin there. She asks where Tom is. Tom gets a call from Shiv. There's two panic rooms? asks Tom, telling the security guard he thinks he's in the wrong panic room. He asks who else is there, but Shiv has to go when Jerry enters, leaving Tom to declare they got the shit room. Greg agrees that their safe room doesn't feel all that safe. He then begins to highlight all the room's various flaws, of which there are many. In the real panic room, Rhea joins the gathered important people. A news piece is running about the shooter. They all watch. Away from the shitty panic room, Connor and Willa are at the funeral of Moe. They meet his grieving widow. I heard Moe was a great guy, says Willa, much to the confusion of said widow. Moe? She asks. Connor quickly steps in and pulls Willa away. He tells Willa that the dead guy's name is not Moe. It's Lester. But they called him Moe as it was short for Moe Lester. Was he one? asks Willa, to which Connor replies, oh, God, no, before reeling off a few of Moe's nicknames, such as Old Mr. Fiddlesticks, Uncle Meat Hands, and how Logan wouldn't let them in the pool with him. Oh. Back to management training, and Brian takes the stage with his and Roman's work. A man bursts in, and because of the possible attack at Waystar, whisks Roman away. Cover blown. In the shittiest panic room in New York, they watch the news report. Sid is talking live from the scene, which Tom says makes him look like a coward hiding in a closet. You ran pretty quick, says Greg. Well, you ran pretty fucking quick, too, Tom fires back. Greg shakes his head. I was just behind you. Word comes that they're probably in the clear. 
As they wait, Greg asks how Tom would feel if he was to leave. As they wait, Greg asks how Tom would feel if he were to leave ATN and go to another department. But Greg points out that the human footstool, verbal and physical assaults, Nazi stuff, and now shooters means he doesn't really love it. He tells Tom they could have a business open relationship. Tom breathes deep, trying to contain his emotions. He fails miserably and begins to throw bottled water at Greg in a momentary meltdown. Greg reveals the shooter was actually an employee suicide. Still holed up in the safe room, Rhea is finding it increasingly difficult to explain her absence. Logan states they will offer the Pierce family $21 billion. Rhea states it's not about the money. $21.5, says Kendall, to Shiv's annoyance. Kendall keeps going. Rhea appears to be getting her head, and Shiv tries for input, but is beaten back by Logan. $24 billion is on the table if Rhea can deliver. Back at management camp, Brian meets Roman in his own safe room to reveal they won the management task. Roman is unimpressed, believing it was only because he was a Roy. At the funeral, Connor talks about delivering the eulogy, including the inspired line, Lester touched all of us. Tom apologizes to Greg for the bottle attack. Greg talks about moving on again and plays his trump card. He has leverage over Tom. He kept some of the paperwork from the pit of death files from cruises. Are you asking if you can blackmail me? Asks an impressed Tom. He tells Greg he accepts the blackmail and will accelerate him. New title, better money, nice office. Greg is happy and Tom is laughing. Where are those papers? He asks. I'll never tell, smiles Greg. Willa rewrites Connor's speech into a far simpler few lines that are less likely to land him in a world of pain by association. It is actually a pretty terrible speech and weirdly brilliant. When a man dies, it is sad. All of us will die one day. In this case, it is Lester who has done so. Lester was alive for 78 years, but no more. Now, he is dead. Lester's wife is Maria. They were married for 15 years. Now... She is sad. Marvelous stuff. Awful. Horrible. Marvelous stuff. Rhea says her goodbyes to the Roys, telling her she will pass on the big number to the Pierce family. Before she leaves, she suggests a peace offering would be a smart move, too. Logan pats Kendall on the back, telling him good work. He then offers Shiv a half-smile and walks on. That night, Roman calls Tabitha and tries his hand at phone sex. It's dreadful. He hangs up and calls Jerry. He lies on the bed as Jerry berates him. He begins to pleasure himself. Jerry hears and starts calling him names. You disgusting little pig. Roman gets more turned on and, well, Jerry seems pretty cool with it, too. Another succession odd couple is born. Shiv talks to Kendall, asks him what the fuck is going on with him and Dad and their newfound bond in the office. Is Ken blackmailing him? Ken says they're just in a good place, but she should ask their dad about it. Ken asks for a hug and begins to sob into his sister's shoulder. He asks her again to take care of him because if their dad doesn't need him right now, he fears he would be lost again. The next morning dawns. Ken is again on top of the building. He looks at the newly erected towering glass safety fence to stop potential suicides. He rests his head against it, looking all the way down. 
We open with Shiv arriving at Logan and Marcia's back from a London trip. Tom is delighted to see her and wonders if today Logan might announce her. Shiv is doubtful. All the family and staff are gathered for a pre-Pierce visit prep talk. Frank reveals the Pierce family wants to check the integrity of the Roy setup. Logan sets a few rules, such as a two-drink limit, and reveals Tom may have to play punch bag as the Pierce family hate ATN, of which he is currently head boy. Before they depart, Logan tells Roman not to mention his management course in front of the Pierces because it sounds like he's in business kindergarten. Helicopters depart New York destined for Turn Haven, the Pierce's expansive retreat where the entire Pierce family is waiting to welcome them. Nan Pierce leads the way with a hug for Frank before shaking hands and introducing herself to Logan. At first glance, the Pierce clan are like a more polite, God-fearing, down-dressing Roy family. Rhea informs Logan that Naomi Pierce has flown in from Milan especially and is currently getting reacquainted with Tabitha. The two families begin to bond over food and drink. Shiv and Tom hear that Mark Pierce is getting a second PhD, and she makes a smart joke about just using Wikipedia. Connor Roy gets completely outgunned in a political chat with Maxim Pierce. Kendall arrives late and is welcomed with the sort of fake warmth only Logan could muster. Gotta put on a show for the Pierce clan. Logan asks Ken to target Peter Pierce. Rhea approaches Kendall to ask how she is. Good, he says, but she asks how he really is. They're watched closely by Naomi. Logan calls a quick family meeting and immediately berates Shiv for her poor joke about Mark's double PhDs. Meanwhile, Connor is fuming about being outsmarted in politics by Maxim, and Roman is asked to laugh a little quieter. Other than that, though, a strong start from family Roy. Everyone gathers for dinner. Naomi takes Grace with a Shakespeare quote about honor. Ken is visibly impressed. He tells her as much and asks if she's an actress, hearing in reality she volunteered at a drug addiction treatment center where she is continuing her own recovery. He reveals he too is a recovering addict. I know, she tells him. In an attempt to appear more intellectual, Roman is talking books and invents a book he's currently reading called The Electric Circus, but then stumbles badly when asked who the author is and what the story entails. Nobody can find it on Google, oddly. Connor is getting more heated with his politics talk with Maxim after getting continually outdone. Talk turns to ATN and Logan says he's not really involved, but points them towards Tom, the barbarian, as Logan calls him. Hi, hello, says Tom. Right-wing ogre at your service. Shiv tries to talk a good game again in terms of why Logan wants PGM. Nan is unimpressed by the reasoning, which Shiv says is largely about profit. Logan is equally unimpressed, and Shiv begins to stumble. Nan seems more concerned about integrity than money. Tom's play begins to unravel as Pierce family members ask would he stay on if the acquisition went through, and Logan offers no reassurance to a visibly unsettled Tom. Shiv and Tom quickly make an excuse to leave the room for a moment. He asks Shiv to stop beating up on him, but Shiv is more concerned with her own performance. Back at the dinner table, when asked about having a baby one day, Tabitha reveals she and Roman never actually have sex, unlike Ken and Naomi, who look about two minutes away from pregnancy. Marsha is becoming less impressed at feeling like one of Logan's players in the team and throws the two-drink rule to the wind. It was a dumb rule anyway. The question of Logan's successor arises, and although he says there's a name, he declines to offer one. Shiv pipes up, oh, for fuck's sake, Dad, just tell them it's going to be me. 
catching absolutely everyone off guard. Logan admits it has been discussed, but he is visibly unhappy it is being aired now. The dinner falters drastically. Nan recovers the mood by asking Mark to take them all stargazing. Outside, Nan approaches Kendall. She admits watching the Roy family meltdown is a satisfying experience, and although she came to scupper the deal, it seems they all did that without her. They both agree to head off and indulge in some drugs. Tom and Shiv are back in the room, shaken by the night so far. He's struggling to understand why she said it. Explain the chess move, he asks. Shiv says she's unsure and didn't really think it through. Kendall and Naomi share stories of their addiction as they snort lines. In their room, Tabitha and Roman talk about his issues. Roman asks if there's a way they can make the sex wrong. Outside in a helicopter, Kendall and Naomi are wired and drunk as they screw around with the controls and enjoy each other's company. They kiss. The wrong sex back on planet Roman is going kind of wrong. He asks her to play dead for him, but this comes across a little too creepy for Tabitha, particularly when he reveals she shouldn't be getting turned on as dead women aren't wet. She climbs out of bed telling him the morgue is closing for the night. Roman leaves the room and calls on Jerry. She lets him in. He asks if she knew about Shiv being the successor. She says, not really. Roman pours himself a drink. Jerry tells him to drink up and go back to bed. He suggests one of their special conference calls. She begins scolding him and he starts getting turned on again. As she goes at him, she demands he get in the bathroom until he's done something with himself. She talks through the door as Roman does something with himself in the bathroom. Kendall wakes up in the morning having made a mess of his sheets. His number one problem of the new day is the number two. At breakfast, Tom asks if anyone had any fun last night. I jerked off in Jerry's bathroom, Roman answers honestly as everyone simply brushes it off. And for good measure, he chucks in that it was Jerry's idea. Nan wants to meet with Logan, Marcia, Jerry, Shiv, and Kendall after breakfast. Shiv listens in from another table. Nan reveals, although she doesn't particularly like Logan or his politics, after talking to Naomi, she understands that a sale may be the only way for PGM to flourish. Logan immediately ups to $25 billion if the deal is fast. Deal. There are caveats. Tom is no longer overseeing news. No problem, Logan tells her. More important, though, is for Logan to announce Shiv as his successor. Logan falters at this. Nan wants the sale and the announcement at the same time, or the deal is off. Logan counters that, in fact, if he announces Shiv, he will do so on his timing. Nan and Logan hit an impasse over this as she declares it looks like no deal then. Logan stands and tells her they are done. The Roys begin to leave. Kendall shares a lingering look with Naomi. In the helicopter, there's a tangible atmosphere. What a weird family, says Tom, trying and failing to break the ice. Shiv wants to know what just happened, why Logan wouldn't just announce her. Logan offers nothing, then slams a fist against the window of the helicopter in a temper. However, back in New York, Logan takes a call from Rhea, then shouts, Goddamn fucking right! We're on again. The Roy family are circling the sky in a private jet, waiting for a landing window at their destination, the World Conference in Ariestus. 
Logan is getting impatient over the stalling PGM deal and considers simply giving the Pierce family what they've asked for as he wants to fend off Sandy and Stewie's hostile takeover scheme. Kendall heads deeper into the jet where a group of suited folk sit at computers. He wants answers and asks how long till they get something ready to sign. Imminently, he is told. Ken cracks the whip. You pour the shit I'm pouring on you and your fucking minions and you ride them, he demands. Shiv is shadowing Frank in the office, upset at being left in New York. Frank tells her it was due to limited attendance and nothing more, but Shiv is far from convinced. Frustrated, she tells him she's going home, brushing past Frank. In the corridor, she passes a frantic Carolina en route to see Frank. She finds him and stops dead. It's cruises, she says with clear concern. Team Roy arrives to a crowd of gathered press and catch up with Tom and Greg. Greg is buzzing. I might have just touched Bill Gates, he tells Tom. Tom, though, is more concerned that his welcome pack in the chalet is a nut and fruit box and not the champagne and paperweight package. Logan passes Rhea in the crowd. Hello, Rhea. You know what I need. Logan spots Sandy Furness in the mix and asks Tom and Greg to ensure he doesn't get stuck talking with his current nemesis. Logan asks how Sandy is looking and hears maybe he's a little weathered. Logan nods. It might be syphilis, he says. Tom remarks how you don't hear much about syphilis anymore. It's very much the MySpace of STDs. As they talk, Logan is interrupted by a Waystar employee named Hugo, who has news that the Cruz's story is coming through, and they need to mount a response. Team Roy gathers in the kitchen. Jerry gets Shiv on the line. The worry is that if the news drops, it will kill the PGM deal with the Pierce family, who definitely wouldn't want to be sitting to dine with murder and debauchery on the menu. Kendall suggests they go on the attack, scare them with threats to sue. Shiv argues that playing it cool with an offer to cooperate and getting them to delay would be a wiser move right now. Ken and Shiv bump heads across the phone line. Kill, kill, kill versus chill, chill, chill. Logan sides with Kendall and also demands the Pierce deal be sped up as that job needs finishing before this news breaks. He then tells Shiv to fly out as he needs her there. Elsewhere, Greg catches up with Tom to tell him at the planned new slogan of ATN, we're listening, that Tom was going to unveil during his talk is a no-go after it turned out that some of Waystar's set-top equipment actually was listening to households across the USA. Greg suggests, how about, we hear ya? Hmm. Logan pre-warns Marcia some nasty stuff is about to hit the headlines about him and wants to check she's with him. She confirms, when I'm with someone, I am with them. Jerry approaches Roman and asks him to charm a man called Eduard Asgaroff about potentially securing funds in case the Pierce deal crumbles. Jerry explains this is a guy with a serious chunk of cash ripe for investment. Logan finds Rhea and questions why it's taking so long to get the deal sorted. Rhea explains the family still feels some way off signing. Logan asks, can she persuade Nan that if the deal is not signed in the next day, the Roy family might walk? Elsewhere, Ken meets with old friend and current adversary, Stewie. They trade tame insults and a handshake. Kendall warns Stu that he should distance himself from the hostile takeover, as they have something big in the pipeline that will kill Stewie and Sandy's deal stone dead. Stewie, however, and with good cause, doesn't trust his former friend. 
Later that night at a club, Greg and Tom come up with the deeply confusing slogan, We Here For You. Greg likes it. It's good, because it's not clear what the hell it means, so lots of wiggle room. Tom smiles, and the pair have a new slogan. Yeah. Roman finds Edward and begins to make his play. Roman adopts the cool approach, but Edward suspects Roman has the begging bowl ready and wants to pitch him. Before Roman has a chance to say much, Edward begins talking about a news station that may subtly run propaganda for his home city, Baku. Roman listens. Tom is flirting with a woman when Shiv approaches and surprises him. She's visibly jealous at the interaction, quickly getting Tom all to herself. Tom is delighted to see her, right up until she reveals there is going to be a big news piece on the cruise's horror story. She then asks if he was trying to bang the woman he was chatting to. Tom says no, but adds that if he was, then that would be fine under their open arrangement, right? Shiv tells him, but Tom, I know her. It would be awkward. Tom points out the actor she slept with and didn't tell him about for 10 days might also be seen as awkward. Jerry's in her room relaxing when the door goes and Roman enters. He tells her Edward is good for cash, but wants a propaganda news channel. Roman asks why he's chasing this guy, but Jerry doesn't reveal the issues with the Pierce deal and the Cruza story breaking. He then states they should team up, her as a dependable filing cabinet and him as a rock star type, and take over the show. She listens to his ramblings like he's an adorable, if slightly unhinged, toddler, then shows him out of her room. The next morning, Rhea welcomes Nan Pierce to the conference. She's reluctant to speeding things up. Logan and Kendall learn their kill-kill-kill approach has backfired, and the magazine feels bullied. The Cruises piece will run online that morning. Just as the pair are about to leave, Nan arrives at their table, oblivious. As they begin to talk, Kendall keeps updating his phone looking for the story. Logan reveals he has papers ready in another room, but Nan wants to eat breakfast first. While they wait, the story breaks. He and Logan quickly make their excuses. Joined by Jerry and Roman, they begin to plan their next move. Shiv arrives. Roman considers the news piece to be a lot of nothing. Logan hears that a woman named Lester was asking for sex in exchange for renewed contracts, with one woman who refused being blacklisted. Jerry believes there are no cold hard facts in the piece. Logan eventually decides that, despite the various arguments, they should condemn it and move on, hoping there'll be a new story for the world to devour tomorrow. He insists they still go ahead with the panel they're leading, but asks Shiv to join them. She declines, and Ken and Roman say they can handle it without her. Outside, Stewie stops Kendall to gloat at how whatever deal they had cooking is now dead in the water. Like some of the women on those cruises, he smiles. Logan meets his banker, Jamie. He hears that Rhea has stopped answering her phone, but suggests Shiv might be a way in. Logan suddenly vomits at the table. Not in response to the Shiv suggestion, I'm sure. Shiv meets Rhea, saying they'll write out the drama. Rhea admits that she likes Logan, but is concerned how much of a storm is coming. She talks Shiv into appearing on the panel, as it would go down very well with Nan Pierce, who holds all the cards currently. Kendall and Roman are being prepped for the panel when Shiv announces she's going on the panel too. Roman and Ken protest, but a woman on the panel, in light of the breaking news, would be a positive move. 
It is suggested Roman steps down, but Jerry gives him a signal, and Rome demands to stay on the panel. They go as a trio. Already on stage, Tom wraps up an incredibly poor speech with the logo, We Here For You, to polite applause and a little laughter. Kendall, Roman, and Shiv take the stage. Instantly, they're given a chance to respond to the Cruises news article. Kendall says they plan to do more than condemn and move on. Shiv tells the interviewer that what happened was many years ago, but they will be taking it very seriously. Logan spots Nan in the audience. As the three talk, he keeps checking Nan's reaction. Marcia tells him to relax. Shiv says sometimes a company just needs new eyes on the world and maybe just needs a big old dinosaur cull, adding hastily she would never go after her dad as that's a sport others enjoy. Afterward, Roman laughs about the dinosaur comment, but Ken asks what she was doing. I was just dancing, says Shiv. Logan's in a foul mood. Roman laughs. You tortured the old dinosaur, barbecued him live. Logan snaps. Don't fuck with me, he roars, slapping Roman across the face as Kendall rushes in, demanding his dad doesn't fucking touch his brother and helping him up. The family gathers to watch a comedian who promptly roasts them over the cruises scandal. Nan stands and leaves. Logan follows her. Nan declares the deal is over. She also reveals she knows Rhea has been meeting Logan in secret and demands her resignation. Nan gets into a car as Logan chases her, hammering across the window, screaming that they haven't fucking finished and demanding she stop as the car slowly drives away. A party is underway at Logan and Marcia's place. Kendall's in the bathroom on a video call to Naomi Pierce, who is chanting, Dick Pick, Dick Pick, for her records. He obliges. Jerry talks to Roman about the possibility of them becoming a dream team in light of information that the board wants his successor named. She tells them it's a good idea to go over any of Roman's skeletons in the closet to preempt any future shit landing at their doorstep. She must have some serious spare time. Logan overlooks the party. All the little piggies at the trough, he laughs. Shiv tries to talk to him, but he brushes her off. Later, he and his crew watch a video declaring how bad a job Waystar is doing under Logan's leadership. The brainchild of Sandy and Stewie. It's decided they need to get the shareholders on board. Frank orders Ken and Roman to visit their mother Caroline, his ex who remains a key shareholder, in London. Ken is reluctant, not surprising after his last visit resulted in the untimely death of Andrew Dodds. Logan tells him to relax as perpetual fixer of Roy family shit, Colin, will accompany them. Shiv asks Roman where their dad is, as they're supposed to be having a talk, but Roman tells her dad has taken a rain check and might catch her the next day. He then asks if her nips are hard due to her being so far out in the cold. What a way with words. In the New York office, Tom meets with two men who are investigating the sexual abuse on cruises. Tom is expecting an easy ride, but immediately faces tough questions that have him squirming, especially when they ask him about files and any document destruction that may have occurred. He stumbles and tells them he really has to pee, if he hasn't already. We see you, Tom. Logan and Roman share a car to the airport. Logan asks if his son is all right and apologizes for hitting him, saying it was an accident. Roman is uncomfortable and quickly changes the subject to meaningless small talk. On the plane, Logan and Roman join Kendall and Rhea, whose presence is unexpected by the boys. But Logan tells them it's not a big deal. 
A furious Shiv finds out her dad is leaving the country. Tom approaches her and checks that the investigation into Cruz's is just bullshit because it didn't feel very much like bullshit in there when the questions started landing directly on Tom's fragile head. He's concerned he's being hung out to dry, but Shiv is uninterested, saying she has to fly out to England and fix things with her dad. On the plane, Logan asks Rhea for her thoughts on who might be the choice for successor. She suggests Shiv thinks she's smarter than she is. Roman could be good, but isn't ready. And Kendall, despite having all the shots, has no idea when to play them, so uh, none of them? Back in New York, Tom visits Greg at his house and tells him he wants the cruise papers. But Greg is hesitant, considering them as insurance policy against things getting nasty. Tom says, it's your insurance policy that's causing the nastiness. If you were uninsured, you'd be a lot safer, ironically. Tom continues that, although he's impressed by how Greg played his hand, if he doesn't hand over the paperwork, he will tell Logan that Greg took sensitive documents. Greg flounders, then tells Tom they're at the office and he'll get them the next day. Lacking trust, Tom responds by saying he will stay the night and they will get them together in the morning. Roman's on the phone to Jerry, who is asking about a whole array of potential skeletons in Roy Jr.'s closet. Did you get jerked off by your personal trainer? How about the rumors of a face tattoo? All of which he denies. Kendall interrupts with the news story about Andrew Dodds, the young waiter killed in the car crash, being bullied to death by Logan. They decide to wake their dad. In New York, Carolina reveals the family of Andrew Dodds are saying Logan punched their son and the distress made him crash his car. The family may come to the States and air their views on TV unless they get a personal apology. It also turns out it is Sandy opening this can of worms. Logan tells them to set up a meeting with the Dodds family. Naomi Pierce enters the room, a guest of Kendall. Logan is not too impressed by her presence and quickly shepherds her out, saying he needs five with his boys. Logan tells the boys to sweet-talk their mom by offering her $10 million to keep her on side, but admits he'll go as high as 50 Ken raises concerns with his dad that Rhea might be playing him, but Logan says it is his son being played for the fool by Naomi. Ken tries to leave for a zoo visit with Naomi, but Logan instead asks if he'll join him in visiting the Andrew Dodds family. Okay, mumbles a visibly shaken Kendall. Shiv arrives in London looking for Dad, but finds Roman. He delights in telling her he is out, and Shiv is surprised to hear Rhea's with them. Do you know nothing of the company you're supposed to be taking over? Roman mocks. Back in New York, Tom and Greg enter the office to recover the paperwork. Greg opens a folder and places documents in Tom's hand, beautifully labeled secret. Tom frowns. Secret? Greg? But not top secret? Rhea meets Shiv for lunch, saying she's in town to visit the theater, and Logan simply offered her a ride. I'm sure she only means in his plane. She tells Shiv she likes her and reveals there's an opening for a new CEO with the Pierce family and that Nan has a soft spot for her. Shiv is taken aback, but says she'll think about it. Logan and Kendall are traveling to visit the Dodds family. They cross the bridge where the car went into the water. Kendall looks at the passing flowers and teddy bear in memory of Andrew. They arrive outside the home where one single photographer waits. Kendall prepares to wait for his dad in the car, but Logan tells Ken he should come in with him. 
Logan is met at the door by Paul, Andrew's uncle. He tells him his parents are in the lounge and invites him in. Kendall stands alone in the hall looking at a wall of photos showing at Andrew at various ages of his young life. He refuses tea but accepts water, seemingly trying to avoid direct eye contact. Logan appears and tells him it's time to go. Kendall asks if he should say something to Andrew's parents. No, says Logan. They drive away. As Logan reveals Andrew's parents have been through the ringer. Poor bastards, he says. Greg is stressing about the prospect of going to prison as a pretty boy. He talks to himself and records it onto his phone, trying various volumes, phone positions, and movements as he speaks. What is young Gregory planning? In England, Roman and Shiv arrive at their mom's house. Caroline moves directly onto how much Logan is offering her. Roman tells her $10 million, but that it's really 40 Caroline realizes right away that this means it's actually 50 and tells Roman he's not very good at this. Caroline reveals that she instead wants either the Hampton Summer House worth a cool $150 million, give or take a massive amount, or $20 million and the kids visit her every Christmas. Let's make him choose, she tells Roman and Shiv. That night, under a blanket of rain-swept darkness, Kendall revisits the Dodds' house and shoves a bundle of banknotes through their letterbox before quickly leaving again. Later, he's with his mom as she makes a cup of tea. Kendall reveals he has things he wants to tell her, something he's done. She asks if the things he wants to tell her are difficult things, and when he admits they are, she says it might be better to do this in the morning. He quietly agrees. On a balcony, also under the cover of darkness, Greg and Tom prepare to burn the papers. The lighter plays up, and as Tom ducks in for another, Greg quickly grabs some paperwork and stuffs it in his pocket. Shrewd move. The next morning, over the sea in little old England, Shiv meets with her dad. Finally, she asks him for clarification on where she stands in the company. Is she still the successor as it felt really real when he offered? Logan blindsides her by asking, why then is she fucking him around? Why is she thinking about taking a CEO role with the Pierce family? Talking to those backstabbers. She asks how he knew, and he tells her the news is all over town. Logan rages at her for looking elsewhere over them having a silly little fight and says if she doesn't understand the value of family, she can fuck off. Elsewhere, Kendall finds his mother has left a note apologizing for missing their departure as she's busy that morning. On the plane back to the United States, Logan congratulates Roman on getting Caroline down to $20 million and the kids for Christmas. He then thanks Rhea for planting the seed to Shiv about the Pierce job and getting the noose from around his neck. Sneaky. Very sneaky. He begins to float the idea that perhaps he looks outside of his kids for a successor. Rhea says she'll help him draw up a short list. Anyone else thinking she might have just one name on her very short list? From a car, Shiv phones Kendall asking if Rhea's on the plane. I think we've got a problem, she tells him. Just be careful. I think I got fucked. We begin with something of a dream-realized moment for Willa. Her play, entitled Sand, is opening in New York, and Connor, her fella who sort of paid to make things happen, is giving a speech declaring what a momentous moment it is. Afterwards, Tom and Shiv talk about a forthcoming trip to Dundee for a plaque unveiling to honor Logan reaching 50 years in business. 
Shiv is unhappy the event seems to be now under the control of Rhea. An actor interrupts them to say hi to Shiv. It's awkward, and Tom immediately realizes he's the actor she slept with. Ken congratulates Willa on the show. She thanks him, but Connor steps in and reminds Ken that this is the worst it'll be. Willa walks away annoyed. Who needs enemies, right? Ken asks Connor about a particular actress, Jennifer, and when Jen leaves, he follows. The next day... Roman is recording a scripted congratulations message for his dad ahead of the Dundee trip. It's not really working, until the producer suggesting his message for Logan might have lacked a little enthusiasm. Unimpressed, Roman records again, using a cartoon voice. What up, pricklicks? It's me, Dr. Moron. I'm ding-dong doodlebug dipshit with a titmouse dick, and my dad hates all of you. Fucky go bye-bye. Nailed it. In the waiting room of the recording studio, Shiv is still pushing the Rhea is evil agenda, but her brothers are not overly concerned or interested. On the plane to Dundee, Carolina breaks some news to Logan that there is a disgruntled former Cruises employee who could be about to talk and knows some of the grimier details about how deep this dirt goes. A furious Logan says to get word to the man, Ratfucker Sam, that they will destroy his life should he talk. Shiv tries to stir the pot with Marcia by suggesting Logan is having an affair with Rhea. Marcia, however, does not bite. Now in Scotland, Logan rides in a car recalling memories as long-forgotten locations pass by. It's clear not all the memories are good, but he keeps them bottled up. The family arrives at their hotel. Rhea welcomes them, but Shiv is not for shaking hands and questions her about getting stabbed in the back over the peer CEO job leaking to her dad. Rhea denies any involvement. She asks if Rhea herself might be gunning for the top job in her father's wake. Rhea admits the pool is small and they need to announce fast before the shareholder meeting. Shiv makes it clear she considers Rhea to be a snake who's out for a multi-million dollar payday. In a hotel room, Jerry and Roman talk. She tells him that Frank is concerned about Roman and Rhea's relationship. She tells him Edward is invited to the celebration, and can Roman again talk to him in a bid to secure alternative funding? Roman agrees, then asks Jerry if they can get married. Or maybe he kidnaps her. Or maybe they can just eat each other like they do in Germany. Kendall calls the actress Jennifer and invites her out to Scotland, saying he's sending her a driver and a plane. Elsewhere, Marcia pulls Rhea aside and asks if she is regularly tested for sexually transmitted diseases. Rhea is taken aback, but Marcia is one cool cookie and tells her she and Logan still frequently sleep together, and she wants to know if Rhea is clean. Marcia shifts to menace. I have fought and lost, and I have fought and won. But when I lose, the other one will generally lose an eye. Logan arrives and asks for a word with Rhea, as Marcia happily moves along, leaving Rhea, for now at least, with both eyes in place. In the hotel bar, Shiv says maybe Tom could flirt with Rhea so Logan sees her true colors. Are you pimping me out? he asks. Shiv then moves to Kendall and suggests using Rose as part of their plan to undermine Rhea. Who is Rose? We quickly find out exactly who Rose is when Rhea asks Kendall if it would be okay to make a toast, and Ken suggests mentioning Logan's mother, and maybe also his sister, Rose, who is no longer with us. The plot thickens. Rhea calls attention by chiming her glass. The speech is strong, but when she then asks for a glass to be raised to Rose, there is silence, 
and Logan places his drink back on the table. Rhea realizes it was a bad move. Shiv smiles, content. Later, the family arrives for a visit to Logan's old family home. There are family, press, and one protester present. The protester holds a cardboard slogan that cuts straight to the point by declaring Roy to be a cut to Logan, Marcia, and Kendall arriving by car. Everyone waits in anticipation as the window rolls down. Okay, there it is, says Logan, seeing his old home. He stays in the car as the gathered crowds wait. He's unsure what to do. Kendall says, maybe a photo? They said you could go in. But Logan declines. No, thank you. He puts his window back up and the car drives away as the crowd watches dumbstruck. Jerry approaches Shiv to reveal that the cruises guy is preparing to drop some truth bombs. James Weissel has just turned down $10 million to keep his mouth shut, and Jerry has no idea why. She tells Shiv she's doubling the offer as they need this to go away. Shiv agrees. Logan later visits an impressive building built from his money. As they tour the place, Rhea asks Kendall why he threw her under the bus over the rose toast. He tells her he's simply riding the wave of unrest formed by Shiv, Jerry, and Frank. Rhea says she is sure that when they eventually emerge from the other side of this current mess, the successor will be him, and it has always been him. Ken is unsure, but thanks her and walks away. Outside, Logan bumps into Ewan. Logan tells his brother that he saw a whistle thrush at the old bandstand. He was always lying about the birds he saw, laughs Ewan. After Logan leaves, Ewan tells Greg Lowen is morally bankrupt and is going to be a major reason for the death of the planet, considering him worse than Hitler. He asks Greg to stop working for him, threatening that if he doesn't, he will remove Greg from his will, meaning missing out on a cool $250 million. That's quite a pickle, says Greg. Greg never really has good days, does he? In a local pub, Roman meets Edward over a pint. Roman talks about a possible cash injection, and Edward seems open to discussion. They watch a football match, and Edward suddenly asks Roman to buy the club on TV with him. And so, the ball begins rolling for Roman to become an unlikely 50% owner of hearts. Wait, what? Kendall has been joined by Jennifer. Connor knocks on the door asking if he could send Jennifer back as Willa is worried about her missing the play. Ken apologizes but explains that won't be possible as he and Jen are currently engaged in one of the all-time great psychosexual expeditions. Connor pleads but Ken says no dice, closes the door, and leaps back into bed with Jennifer. Expedition is a go! Later, the kids are together discussing their favorite topic, Rhea. Shiv says it's time to kill her dead. Cave her head in with a rock. Connor asks, would she really be that bad? While Kendall is softening, possibly related to hearing that he is still next in line for the throne. Shiv, though, is furiously fighting her anti-Rhea corner. The boys, however, are convinced she's being over the top. That evening, a grand gala event is underway for Logan. Tom and Shiv head towards the event and begin to argue when Tom reveals that maybe Rhea as next in line is the better option for himself. Shiv is furious, but Tom stands his ground, thus continuing the impressive character arc of Tom's balls. Logan enters the building. The gathered guests all yell, surprise! Logan does an instant 180 and walks back out. 
Outside, he angrily voices his concern at how many people are there. Marcia tells him Rhea thought it would be nice. Logan calms at the mention it was Rhea's idea and walks back in. Jennifer and Kendall are chatting, and she reveals the cast of the play are super pissed that she's over in Scotland. Ken begins talking about his dad. Has anyone told you you talk about your dad a lot, she asks. He's a big presence, says Kendall, and then asks if she wants to meet him. Kendall introduces Jennifer to his dad. This is so awesome, she says about the event. Logan looks around the room. He says it's good to meet her and slopes off. We then see Logan mocking Jennifer to Shiv. Mind like a balloon. They agree to call a truce on their recent warring. He then voices his concern about Rhea, wondering how much he can trust her. Before they can get too deep, Jerry interrupts. Later in the men's room, Greg approaches Logan to tell him Ewan has made it clear that if he wants to keep his inheritance, he has to negotiate a, wait for it, Gregsit, from Waystar and cut ties with Logan. Logan reveals he likes Greg and declares Ewan too cowardly to genuinely cut Greg off, but the future is in his hands alone. Does he want Uncle Fun or Grandpa Grumps? Elsewhere, an emergency meeting is underway with Jerry, Shiv, Sid, Hugo, Frank, and Carolina. The topic is the whistleblower, James Weissel, who has now turned down $20 million without flinching. They believe the man has a backer and is set to dish the dirt on television. Shiv says to keep Logan out of the loop for now and let him enjoy his night. On stage, Kendall's at the mic making a speech and tribute to his dad. Then, weirdly, the music kicks in and Kendall begins to rap about his old man. Roman cringes hard, but Tabitha takes out her phone and starts recording. The performance begins to whip the crowd up, and honestly, it's pretty good, I think. As the video messages begin to roll on the big screen, Roman introduces Logan to Edward, revealing they have a gift for him. They bought his team, hearts. Logan frowns. I'm Hibbs, he says. Roman is deflated. Shiv approaches her dad and tells him, in a weird change of heart, that for now, Rhea is the one, and he should trust his gut. He thanks her. Logan takes the stage, and in a move that causes a ripple of shock through the gathered crowd, he announces Rhea as his successor. Outside, Ken tells Jen that she said awesome a lot when she met his dad. She looks cold, and he says he'll go and get her a coat. Back inside, he asks if they can get Jennifer on the first flight out of there and explain he is tied up. Expedition over, I guess. Marcia is angry with Logan after the announcement and how she was kept out of the loop. She tells him he's boring her and leaves before the plaque unveiling. Ewan revels having seen the exchange. He tells his brother that their mother would have hated all this and what he does. Logan responds that he is Ewan's meal ticket. Ewan, however, makes a comment that he shouldn't blame himself for Rose, as that wasn't his fault. But the toxicity in his news and the filth of the cruises is all him. Now alone on stage, Logan unveils his plaque to polite applause. 
We begin with the Roy men plus Frank, gathered around a TV as the Waystar whistleblower, James Weissel, prepares to blow his Weissel whistle. He reveals millions and millions of dollars have been paid out to cover up sexual exploitation and harassment by Waystar employees, with much of the abuse committed by Mo Lester McClintock. James moves on to mention passengers going overboard, injury, and unexplained deaths on these cruises from hell. Logan ponders who's backing Wessel. Jerry gets a mention quoted as saying, they need no bad PR to protect senior management. Bill Lockhart and Kendall are mentioned, too, in relation to trying to clean things up. Then finally, James says he believes Tom Wamsgums has tied up a lot of loose ends. Tom's face shifts from casual to, well, a lot uncomfortable. It keeps coming, with revelations about what is called the shadow logs. There is reference to NRPI, a.k.a. No Real Person Involved, an acronym used for sex workers or migrant workers in foreign ports. This disclosure silences the previously buoyant room, and an angry Logan rises and changes the channel. He is convinced Sandy is backing James Weissel, now nicknamed the Weasel, and declares the lot of them sick bastards. Elsewhere, in the back of a moving car, Shiv takes a call that visibly disturbs her. At a meeting shortly after the whistleblower show, Frank is telling everyone not to underplay just how bad this all is. Jerry suggests owning up to it, but adding that the senior staff and family knew nothing of the scandal, instead throwing the now-deceased Lester and the still-breathing Bill Lockhart to the wolves. Despite Bill being liked, this is agreed. Greg reveals to Tom and Connor he just turned down Ewan and a quarter bill inheritance in favor of sticking with Logan, adding he'll still get a cool five million regardless. His parade is rained heavily upon by Connor and Tom, who declare you just can't do anything with five million, and he'll be the poorest rich person in America, the world's tallest dwarf. Shiv reveals the call she took was to let her know there'll be a call for hearings before Congress. Logan is furious, roaring that he can't have this now. Very bad. Just got real fucking bad. Logan asks Roman for help. He's worried how hearings at Congress could spook the investors and leave them a sitting duck for Sandy and Stewie. He wants Roman to go and chase investment from Edward. Rhea arrives late to the party, worried she's about to become the CEO of what she calls a dumpster fire death ship. Logan reassures her the current shitstorm was not the reason for her announcement as successor. Roman meets Edward in a hearts training session. Edward asks if they can meet the next day in Turkey, where Roman and his boys can pitch to Edward's dad. Protesters are gathered outside the courthouse as Logan arrives. They hold banners condemning Waystar and the Roy family. Inside, Jerry's surprised to see a smiling Bill Lockhart. The poor guy being oblivious to the whole Kill Bill plan is there to support his former colleagues. The Roy team gathers in a war room with a live link to proceedings. Backstage in court, Tom is nervous. He gets a pep talk from Hugo. It is not a courthouse, it is a stage, he says. Tom and Jerry enter a packed courtroom ready to face Congress. Gil Evis is already inside, seated and ready with his knife sharpened. Now in Turkey, Roman is pitching to Edward's father. It is a strong pitch, too, but midway through, a group of armed men enter the room. Edward stands and talks to them. He then tells Roman they are all to go with the men now. 
A concerned Roman asks what's going on after his own security guy is let out, but Edward tries to play things cool and asks them to follow him. Before they leave, all mobile phones are removed. Back in court, Gil begins to question a very nervous Tom. Tom tries to deliver the line that the company wasn't aware of the situation, but before he gets a chance to kill Bill, Chill Gil cuts him off and asks him, is it true Lester was known within the firm as Mo? Tom stumbles, saying he doesn't know, to which Gil produces an email from Tom calling Lester Mo. Aw, shit. Tom suggests he thought Mo was a nickname, but Gil notes that Tom only uses Mo in emails to others, while never referring to Lester directly using this nickname. Why not? Gil suggests how Lester was known as Mo because it actually means Mo Lester. Tom scrambles again for air, but finds himself struggling, eventually saying maybe Lester seemed a little bit like a Mo Lester, being a little creepy. Backstage, Logan holds his head in his hands. Things in Turkey are not great either, as Roman finds himself in the middle of an actual hostage situation. Edward still seems to be keeping a cool head and plays down the situation to Roman, Carl, and Jamie. Back to Tom's courtroom catastrophe. Gil talks about the Gil talks about the documents that were disposed of. He points to a particular moment during Thanksgiving where a number of boxes seem to have been specifically targeted and signed out by a Gregory Hirsch. When asked if Tom knows this name, he replies, "No." Backstage, Shiv and the crew are aghast that he said no. Tom quickly backtracks, and Gil moves on to reveal that between the hours of 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. on March 12th was the only time Tom did not send an email to Gregory Hirsch titled, quite brilliantly, You can't make a Tomlet without breaking some Greg's. Tom says it was just a joke. Gil then asks about human furniture, in particular, asking in particular if Tom ever used a human as a footstool. Tom babbles. Behind the scenes, Hugo turns to Shiv and asks what it's like being married to a man with two assholes. Tom enters the room to glares all around. That was all fucking me. They hit me from every fucking side. He asks if Shiv is fucking him too and feels he's getting hung out to dry as the patsy. Greg arrives equally stressed as he is about to go to jail forever. He goes to attack Tom, but Logan sends him from the room. Worried, Ken asks Shiv to find out what else might be coming, as more of that makes them fucking toast. Shiv says she'll see what she can do. Shiv goes to see Gil in his office and tells him they'll give up Bill and keep the new snipers pointed at his rivals if he'll rein it in. But he replies that although it's nothing personal, they have something that is much better than James Weissel up their sleeve. Shiv returns with the news that a victim and ex-entertainment manager, Kira, is going to take the stand, a woman who worked under Lester and knows other victims personally. Jerry worries that if this woman talks, then that is it. All over. It turns out Rhea may be a way in to talk to Kira. Logan asks Rhea if it might be possible to meet with Kira before she takes the stand to see if they can apologize and stop her talking. Rhea is uncertain. Back in the hostage drama, things are fairly quiet. Edward approaches and says the current situation is a power grab. Roman asks if they're going to be shot. No, Edward tells them. Then he begins talking shop again, trying to set up the deal. 
Roman is surprised, considering the circumstances, but also happy for the distraction. He convinces them that the bid from Sandy and Stu is not a problem in their proposed deal. Edward stands, seemingly pleased. Elsewhere, with Rhea pulling strings, she and Shiv go to meet the victim, Kira. Rhea still has great reservations. In court, Logan and Kendall are before Congress. Logan lies that when he heard about this, it was the worst day of his life. Gil questions whether it is a surprise that exploitation is rife, considering the Roy business model, and asks what Logan knew about the shadow logs. Rather than answer the tough question, Logan places the spotlight on Kendall, who questions the motives behind Gil's attacks, reminding everyone about Gil's personal dislike of his father and all he stands for. When they arrive to meet Kira, Rhea tells Shiv she's staying in the car, and that Shiv doesn't have to do this either. Shiv considers the consequences if Kira takes the stand and replies that she has to. Back in the courtroom, other senators with much better relationships with the Roys speak in far gentler and friendlier terms. One even says he had a lovely time on a Waystar cruise. Shiv meets Kira. Kira is uncertain about the meeting now that Rhea isn't there, but Shiv says she's only there to listen and understand how they can fix things. Kira makes to leave, but Shiv talks well, admitting how Logan screwed her over too and is a serial liar she doesn't trust and that the men who did this are the ones who covered it up and will get what's coming. Kira mentions one woman who went overboard, but no rescue attempt was made because people thought she was an NRPI, no real person involved. She is after justice. Shiv says if she stands up and says her piece, she'll be a hero for a day or two, but others will make up stories that will forever stay with her, and eventually, this is all she will be. Shiv offers her a payoff and the promise that she will destroy the men who did this if Kira will help. For the sake of her child, Kira agrees. Back to Turkey, a man asks for all foreign nationals to identify themselves. Roman, Carl, and Jamie are led away from the area by a man. Now back in Washington, Shiv is hailed as a hero for what she did in talking to Kira. It is hoped she will no longer speak before Congress. Logan meets with Rhea. She asks for the truth about what happened with cruises. He tells her things were different back in the day, tries to lie that Lester wasn't a close friend, but Rhea calls him on it, having already been told previously by Logan that they were good friends. Rhea calls his ability to lie akin to a superpower and tells him she no longer wants the CEO job or anything else to do with his business. She stands up and walks away. Later that night, Shiv is with Logan. She asks if Kira doesn't take the stand and they do kill Bill, is that it? Are they clear? No, says Logan. They still need something bigger. They need a blood sacrifice. We begin back before Congress and in the shoes of a trembling Greg. He takes his seat before a bank of photographers, stands to take the oath, then braces as Gil Evis prepares to question him. Away from the questioning, Logan is in a car with Hugo watching on screen. He shows Hugo a list of names of potential blood sacrifice candidates. Hugo suggests adding his own boss, Carolina, to the list. Logan declares him a nasty bastard, then asks if Roman is safe after Turkey. He has everything he needs, says Hugo. Logan's phone goes, flashing up the name Philippe Layton. Logan takes the call. 
Philippe is a powerful shareholder and tells Logan their position based on the current scandal is that they need some cover, a.k.a. the blood sacrifice. Logan suggests they're on it, and it might be Jerry or Carl, maybe Frank. However, Philippe says they believe due to the toxicity of this whole cruises thing, it should be Logan himself. Logan asks for time to think. Behind him, Hugo announces that Greg might be talking himself onto Logan's list, but Logan is now distracted and lost in thought. Cut to the most amazing yacht you've ever seen, being prepared for sea. Connor and Willa board. They talk about the play. Willa saying she doesn't need to see the reviews, and anyhow, the reviewers might like it. Yeah, they might. Already on board are Tom and Shiv. Tom is excited as Shiv has lined up a threesome with a female crew member in a bid to show him the benefits of their special open relationship. He keeps trying to spot the third wheel in their sexy shenanigans. Greg, Kendall, and Naomi Pierce walk towards the yacht. Greg ruining that he didn't just say, no woman, no cry, to every question before Congress, or maybe, I volunteer as tribute. On the sea, Connor is loving his new political following, the Conheads, and the fact that he is now immortalized as a GIF. As he smiles, his tablet notifications beep. It's the first batch of reviews. Willa is nervous and says she'll just read his face as he reads the words. Instantly impatient, she asks him to read her a good one. He starts scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Willa grabs the tablet, reads the first headline, and tosses it overboard. A smaller boat arrives carrying Roman, Carl, and Jamie, free from their hostage drama. Everyone laughs and jokes about their experience. Who did you suck off to escape? asks Ken. Roman snaps and tells them he thought they might die. Everyone apologizes. Jamie says that, business-wise, Roman did good. Later, as they catch some sun on deck, Roman asks who might be in line for CEO now that Rhea is out. Kendall suggests it could be anyone, even Greg. Roman seems changed after his experience and asks that if they all come through this, can they sometimes just talk normally about things, maybe? Shiv and Ken take the piss, as is their sibling duty. A helicopter roars into view. Logan steps off the yacht and immediately calls a meeting with Roman, Jamie, and Carl. Jamie tells Logan that Roman did great, and it looks like they might be able to take the company private. Roman admits they pitched hard, but Jamie says he's being too modest, and he actually killed it. Logan is happy for the first time in a long time. Jamie tells him he can tell the shareholders to go whistle. However, Roman isn't done. He tells Logan that, although Edward did say he wants in, it could just be horseshit, as they seem kind of flaky and there was a lot of shit going on. Jamie argues that they said yes, and although the money being talked about is scary, it makes sense. But Roman points out that if they fail, they die. Logan agrees with his son. Before leaving, an angry Jamie tells Roman he is way off and reminds Carl that someone is getting tossed out of the balloon and likely going to jail if they don't go with this deal. He leaves the yacht on a boat. Tom approaches Greg as he drinks champagne with the news that the Edward deal is off and instead it's going to be a head on a spike. Connor asks Logan for help with the reviews, asking if he can lean on them and help boost the play. He also asks if he can hit his dad for a little hundred million. 
Logan says if so, Khan has to quit his presidential campaign because it's a horseshit pipe dream. Everyone thinks he's a joke, and it's fucking embarrassing him. Gee, thanks, Dad. Later, Logan tells everyone that they're all friends, so enjoy the night, and tomorrow they can work things out, a.k.a. who will be the head on the spike. Jerry asks Roman who he thinks it might be. Frank he declares, before telling him and Carl he's running a book, and both men have short odds. Carl asks what they've heard. Paranoia is high on the high seas. Later, Logan questions when Kendall was going to ask if he could bring Naomi Pierce on the yacht. Ken says she's good for him, but his dad questions if they have the provisions to cater for an extra person, and says he needs privacy for everything going down. He adds that he wants Kendall clear-headed and drug-free, and he doubts having her on board is going to help that. In their cabin, Shiv asks, should she invite the third player in their threesome up? Tom's enthusiasm is waning. He asks, could he watch? Or, even better, could the other woman watch them? He worries he may not be able to perform, and wonders if maybe the other woman could watch through the keyhole in the bathroom? Shiv says he doesn't have to do it, and Tom is quietly relieved. The following morning, Kendall has to say goodbye to Naomi. She asks him to come with her, but he can't. At breakfast, Logan says that he is the obvious choice for the blood sacrifice, but is immediately shot down by his gathered family and team. He says, well, in that case, he needs a meaningful skull and promises whoever steps up will be taken care of. Kendall suggests perhaps Jerry is at the center of the tangled cruise's web, but Roman leaps to her defense and argues, why not Frank? He fucking hates Frank. Frank says he is not a big enough sacrifice after what happened between him and the family already, unlike, for example, a loyal man like Carl. Carl brings it full circle and suggests Jerry again. The talk flows and names are tossed in, then dragged back out. Roman continues to defend Jerry, arguing the sacrifice has to be a man in light of the women who suffered on the cruises. And he says the obvious choice really is Tom, head of cruises. Ken begins to back his brother. Then Carl chips in also in agreement. Shiv, quiet until now, agrees that her husband Tom seems logical. He's taken aback. Does Tom work? Asks Logan, but Ken has to admit he's not a big enough skull. Roman asks, how about Tom with some Greg Sprinkles? Greg Sprinkles? Questions the man himself, hearing from Roman that said sprinkles are basically a garnish to anyone sitting at this table. I'm more than a sprinkle, says Greg, before pointing out that Roman is widely known as a horrible person and might be a good option. Logan says he has food for thought and calls the meeting to an end. Logan and Kendall join Stewie at a little island restaurant. Logan comes with a deal, no negotiation. He offers three board seats, including Kendall's, and a say in the CEO appointment, among other tasty morsels. Stu turns them down flat. Tom is annoyed that Shiv went after him. He reminds her she first spoke of an open relationship on their wedding night, telling her it wasn't cool. He admits to being pretty unhappy most of the time and wonders if without her he'd be less sad than he is being with her. Shiv is visibly shaken. Back on the yacht, Tom walks to where Logan is seated to eat. 
He takes a piece of Logan's chicken, bites into it, and thanks him for the chicken before walking away again. Logan is mildly befuddled and goes to see Shiv. She says it's just the tension getting to people. He ate my fucking chicken. What next? asks Logan. Stick his cock in my potato salad? Shiv asks if he has any conclusions yet regarding the sacrifice. Logan juggles names. Tom, Jerry, Greg, even Ken. Logan asks her opinion, reminding her it's a choice very senior people would be able to make. But she cannot choose. Logan tells Ken he has to be the sacrifice because Logan trusts him. He accepts the decision without argument. Logan says they will arrange a press conference where Ken will admit he set everything up and it went no higher. He asks if his dad ever thought he could do the top job. Logan thinks, then says, You're not a killer. You have to be a killer. Kendall thinks maybe he deserves prison to atone for Andrew Dodds, but, but Logan says no and calls Andrew an NRPI, no real person involved. Ken nods solemnly, places a hand on Logan's shoulder and a kiss on his cheek. Shall we? asks Logan. Before dinner, the news is announced to the rest of the family and firm. Roman says no, but Kendall says it's all good. A helicopter arrives to whisk him to the press conference. He travels with Greg as company. They land and head off in cars, arriving at the conference room and the gathered masses of the press. Carolina meets him. Logan is watching from the yacht with Shiv. Kendall takes the stand to make a statement. He speaks, saying he has an announcement about the wrongdoing and how he's been asked to step up as a suitable figure to absorb the anger. However, he says... The truth is that my father is a malignant presence, a bully and a liar who was fully personally aware of the events for many years and made efforts to hide and cover up. He had a disregard for the safety of migrant workers, vulnerable performers and guests. Back on the yacht, Roman joins Logan and Shiv, totally stunned at Kendall's words to the world. Kendall wraps up by stating that the notion of millions of dollars were paid out without his father's approval is fanciful. Kendall says he has copies of records showing his sign-offs, the paperwork salvaged by Greg, and this is the day his father's reign ends. Kendall stands and walks out, as back on the yacht, Logan's face is stone, his number one son showing he is indeed a killer. I hope this was useful. If you need any more help, all episodes of Previously On Succession are now live. Just search in the Previously On feed. And don't forget, once season three airs, we'll have a weekly discussion episode hosted by Jamie East, along with some very special guests, which will go out the following morning. Thanks for listening. Produced and published by Daft Doris.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.